Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming here on Grace FM, as well as those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those of you listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. We're glad you tuned in. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We would love to hear from you and talk with you and hopefully answer some of those questions. And we'd love to pray for you if you have a prayer request. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We also want to greet those of you who are listening online. We know so many of you are tuning in on our website and the mobile app. The website is gracefm.com. And if you uh, didn't know yet, now you know that you can go to uh, that website in the browser. And uh, you can just click on the uh, link there for uh, listening live. And uh, you can also get our mobile app. So on your phone or on your tablet, you can go into your app store and just type in Grace FM, just as one word. And then you'll be able to download that app and listen live wherever you are anywhere in the world. So we're uh, glad to have those opportunities. We know there's so many of you who do that. And uh, yeah, we want to uh, give a shout out to Baltimore. We uh, been noticing we get a lot of calls from Baltimore. So those of you listening on Bal- in Baltimore right now, we're so glad that you tune in. We're so glad that you're engaged and you call in. So we love uh, the way that God has opened up doors for this show to be on in all these different areas of our country and online as well. So however you've tuned in today and wherever you've tuned in from, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you're with us. Again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. A few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And our church meets, if you're familiar with Longmont, our church meets in downtown Longmont, right at the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, uh, right on the northwest corner. The address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue, and we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. And so we are in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is a well-known building here in downtown Longmont. We're just uh, to the south of the downtown park and ride, and we are at the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. So the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street 
and we would love to have you come and worship with us sometime. So whether you're in Longmont or one of the surrounding communities, whether that's Berthid, Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, or if you're in Erie or Lafayette, Niwot, uh, Boulder, if you're in Lyons, we would love for you to come and worship with us. God's doing some good things in our church, and we're excited about it. We'd love for you to be a part of it. If you know somebody in our area, please send them our way. We'd love to have them worship with us. You can check us out online. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear our sermons here on Grace FM on uh, every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Our show is called Life in the Field, which is an allusion to the fact that we live our lives on God's mission field. So our show is every Tuesday, or what am I saying, every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So uh, if you are in your car at those times, or if you're not in church on Sunday morning for some reason at 10 a.m., tune into Grace FM and you'll hear our sermons there on the air. We have uh, one text message that came in so far. Let's go ahead and answer that as we wait for more calls to come in. Let me give you the numbers to call again once again. The number is 303-690-3000. or you can text us at 720-336-0897. See, we have a uh, text message that says this. How do we witness to a Jehovah's Witness? How do we witness to a Jehovah's Witness? I think the thing that you're going to want to do is, um, you know, one of the ways that we can often reach people, and this is not just Jehovah's Witnesses, um, this really goes for everybody. It's kind of a general way of doing things, right? So we want to build bridges, and one of the ways that we build bridges is that we find things that we have in common, and we use those things as we have in common, right? So we can, there are certain things that we can affirm, and then we use those as bridges so that we can talk about the things which we must challenge about their beliefs. So there, everybody has beliefs, right? Whether they're Jehovah's Witness or whether they're uh, anything else, right? Any other kind of belief or even non-religious. And so we can say, okay, what are the things that you believe that we can affirm, that we, that we both agree on, you know, that, uh, that are in agreement with the Bible and good doctrine? And then starting with those things, now let's look at the things which uh, we cannot affirm and which we cannot agree on. And so there are several things that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that are, um, go that are good and true. And so we, I would say start with those things and then we'll work our way into talking about um, the things that are, are, not, um, are not things that we can agree on, things where we would say that Jehovah's Witnesses actually fall out of the realm of Christian belief. And, and that's true historically, right? What Christians have believed historically and uh, what we currently believe. So there, there are a few things that we would say, um, and this is really what I would come down to. I would talk about Jesus and salvation. Who is Jesus and how are we saved? And let me just insert another thought here, and that's this, that really this, these are the two issues that come up whenever we talk to anybody who holds any beliefs, right? Um, who is Jesus and how are we saved? Because this is what makes true, biblical, orthodox Christianity different than any other philosophy, religion, uh, you know, worldview in the entire world is this, what we believe about Jesus and how we believe that one is saved. So here's what 
Jehovah's Witnesses would essentially say. They would say that they do not believe, first of all, they do not believe in the same Jesus that we do. They do not believe that Jesus was God. And that's really the biggest issue, right? They, they say that Jesus is a demigod, right? Uh, kind of like he was a perfect man. Uh, they would agree that he died to atone for the sins of Adam. Um, but they would say that he was not God. So they deny the doctrine of the Trinity. And uh, they, they tend to misrepresent it, right? So when they talk about the Trinity, they'll kind of make a caricature of it, kind of what we would call a straw man argument, where they would say, uh, you know, Christians believe that there are three gods, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are three gods. But that's not what we believe at all. We, we believe that there's one God who eternally exists uh, in three persons. And so um, that's the first thing. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus God? Is he a created being? So uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was created by God, that he's the first of all creation. And the verse they'll point to is in Colossians. It says that he's the firstborn of all creation. That's a really important verse to understand. I just taught a class on the Trinity for our school of ministry here at Whitefields. Uh, this was like last week, Wednesday. And this is a verse that we talked a lot about because this is one of the things that people who deny the Trinity really um, grab onto is this idea that Jesus is the firstborn of all creations. Maybe some of you even are hearing me say this and you're like, oh no, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Well, doesn't that mean then that Jesus is a created being? Well, no, because see, firstborn doesn't speak of the chronology of Jesus' creation. It speaks of his preeminence above all creation. See, that actually uh, is a really insightful phrase that uh, Paul the Apostle used there when he said that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Because in ancient thinking, they had a law called the law of primogeniture. And what the law of primogeniture said, it wasn't only that the firstborn son got all of the inheritance, but it was also more than that. It was that the firstborn son was able to act legally in the same measure as the father. So legally, he had the same rights as the father, even though he was a different person, even a separate person. And that's actually a, a brilliant way to talk about Jesus from Paul's perspective, because he knew that his his ancient hearers would understand that concept that he's the firstborn, which means that he has all of the rights and privileges of the father. He is, we would say, fully God of fully God. And yet he is distinct from the father. He is a different person. So to call him the firstborn son is not to say that he was created or that he was, um, yes, yeah, like that he was created because we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus existed from eternity past as God, since he is uh, divine. And Jesus himself, you know, of course, alluded to that many times, especially recorded in the Gospel of John. John especially wants us to see this point, that Jesus himself claimed to be God. So this is, uh, this is I think, maybe the biggest issues. Um, who is Jesus? Is Jesus God? And of course, we would go back to the Old Testament. We would point out a lot of passages in which the Messiah is spoken of as God. Uh, for example, Isaiah chapter 9, where it's, uh, you know, it talks about the Messiah who's to come. It says that he will, uh, a child is born to us and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So this child is going to be born and he's going to be given these names which are only suitable to be given to God. So this isn't just something that the Christians came up with. This is something which was inherent to Jewish belief about the Messiah from day one. 
so continuing on, you know, the other thing is how are you saved? And this is, again, this, this is the issue that we want to talk about with everybody because uh, it's not just Jehovah's Witnesses. The question is, how are you saved? Are you saved by your own works and your own earning your own way before God? You know, if I do these things, if I follow these rules, if I, you know, earn my way, then I can be saved. Or is it that salvation is truly salvation, meaning that we are saved uh, not that we save ourselves, but that we are saved by God. And uh, so this message of salvation, justification by faith apart from works uh, is very, very important. And it is what separates Christianity. It really is truly the litmus test, right? So when we encounter any group like Mormons, when we encounter Jehovah's Witnesses or any what we call pseudo-Christian cult, um, who, you know, who might use the Bible in a way, but the things they believe are different than us, this is really the litmus test. What do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about salvation? So I hope that gives you some starting points, but there is a ton of um, information online that will give you a lot of talking points, a lot of things to discuss with Jehovah's Witnesses. I would challenge them on those two things. The other thing I think is a kind of linchpin for their whole belief. It's really uh, based upon the teachings of somebody who came around in the late 1800s. And... Um, you know, really, if you if you look at that, he is deviating from um, almost 2,000 years at that point, less clearly, but uh, almost 2,000 years of Christian interpretive tradition, and um, and so really, it's all based on the teaching of this one man in New York, um, and this whole thing went in this other direction. But the other thing is, it's not just based on the teaching of this one man. I mean, it is, but his ideas were nothing new. What Jehovah's Witnesses believe is something which we call Neo-Arianism. Arianism is the reason for the Council of Nicaea, which took place in 325 AD. Right? So uh, there was a guy named Arius, and he was going around teaching that Jesus wasn't God, that he was a created being, and all of these things. That's why the Council of Nicaea was called together in 325 uh, AD. And that council, or after years of study and research and making sure they got it right, together decided, no, that's not true. And they came out with the um, Nicene Confession, which of course claimed that Jesus is very God of very God. And it was about the deity of Jesus, which was in question at the time. So I hope that gives you some uh, things to start with there. Thanks for that great question. Hopefully uh, that gets you started. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to our next caller, Joseph in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Joseph. Welcome to the program. Joseph. Well, it looks like we might have lost Joseph, but I can read you his question. Uh, Joseph says, um, what does it mean, um, this phrase, that Jesus will come like a thief in the night? So this phrase comes from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. And not just First Thessalonians chapter five verse two, but here's here's what First Thessalonians five two says. It says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation sixteen verse fifteen says, Behold I am coming like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake, keeping his garments on that he might not go about naked and be seen exposed. Matthew twenty four verse forty three Know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. 
the big idea here with the thief in the night is that you know you never know when a thief is coming he sneaks up on you he uh, sneaks up at a time when people don't expect it when a lot of people are asleep and this concept of sleeping and being awake is is one that's used throughout the Bible as well, especially the New Testament, right? It says, let us live as in the day. Let us not fall asleep. Let us stay vigilant. Let us stay awake so that we can be prepared for the coming of the Lord. We get the impression that the early Christians very much expected Jesus to return in their lifetime, and uh, they waited for it. Now, you know, it's re- it'd be really easy for us to say, well, you know, obviously Jesus didn't come back in their lifetime, so their vigilance was uh, a waste of time, you might say, or it might have been in vain. Um, and so maybe it's just in vain for us to expect the coming of Jesus to come back um, in our lifetime. Well, I think that it's intentional that the uh, biblical writers, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit and God himself, uh, the biblical writers want us, every generation, I believe, until Jesus comes back, to be vigilant, to stay awake, and to expect Jesus' coming at any time. Why? Because that changes the way we live. It changes the sense of urgency of the gospel. right? And truly, the gospel message is urgent. It is something that people need, and they need it now, they need it soon, because this life is fragile, and anybody can... Um, lose their life at any time. So either Jesus is going to come back or we're going to die. But truly, our time on earth is very short. And so um, that is uh, basically why it says that, because we don't know when he's coming back, but he also doesn't want us to know when he's coming back. And it could be at any time, and he truly wants us to be vigilant and awake. So um, again, this is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament and definitely one that we should pay attention to. So thanks for that call. Joseph, and God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Nine, seven. We have all open lines right now. It's a great time for you to call in. We'd love to hear from you. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe in your Bible reading, some things you've read have caused you to uh, be confused, or maybe you've had questions, things that you don't quite understand that you'd like more insight on. I'd love to answer those questions for you. love to talk with you about those things. If you have a prayer request, we have a great community of people who tune into this show every day and we would love to pray for you on the air so give us a call 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897 this past sunday we uh well i guess now this past sunday was our, our second message in our current series which we started the sunday before and we're studying through first and second thessalonians at our church right now and we're doing that verse by verse chapter by chapter we got to uh halfway through chapter two so far of first thessalonians and it's been a great study so far but also really looking forward to getting into the latter part of first thessalonians and into second thessalonians and talking about the coming of the lord that's going to be we're excited to talk about that and look forward to that 
uh, our series is called Upside Down because in the book of Acts, that was what they said about Paul and the other missionaries. They said, those who have turned the world upside down have now come here also. And you have this idea that we live in a topsy-turvy world where there are a lot of things that are not the way that they should be. And, uh, and to turn a world that is already upside down upside down is to turn it right side up and that's essentially what Jesus does he comes into our lives to create this revolution in which things are turned on their head but by doing so they are made right side up and so this past Sunday we looked at chapter 2 where Paul talks about discipleship and he talks about imitation and he tells them about the way that he lived in three areas of his life he talks about his priorities he talks about his um his actions, and he talks about his motivations, and he talks about why it is that he cares what other people think about him. I thought this was interesting, that Paul cared what other people thought. Now, at the same time, he also said, hey, look, we're living to please God, not to please people, and yet Paul cares, obviously, what people think because he goes into this long um, time where he he defends himself. And so that's, that's interesting. Um, why would Paul defend himself if he is just living for God and doesn't and not living for people? Well, because he cares about what people think. But why does he care? And the reason is because he understands that he's been entrusted with the gospel. That's what he says there in First Thessalonians 2, uh, verse 4, that he's been entrusted with the gospel. And therefore, he cares about his character because uh, his actions can either give credence to the gospel or they can detract from the gospel. And he doesn't want his actions to ever detract from the gospel. And I think that's really uh, impressive that Paul the Apostle was able to say, you know, whereas so many of us are quick to say, hey, don't look at me, look at Jesus, you know, let him be your example. But Paul was able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you're following me, you will be doing well because I'm following Jesus. Paul put himself forward and invited that. And I think that is really noteworthy. I think it's really impressive and something that we should look for uh, as Christians, something we should aspire to, that we would not just say, hey, don't, you know, do what I say, not what I do, but that we would be those who say, hey, yes, look to Jesus, but you know what? Jesus' power is alive in my life. And so I want to live a life worthy of imitation. Let's go to our next caller, Pam in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Pam. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I really need prayer. I'm really sick, and I can't leave the house, and I've been severely sick for a long time. I'm to a point where I can't even eat food barely, and I'm so weak all the time. But really, another huge thing is um, my husband doesn't love me anymore. He's separated from me. Well, he lives in the basement, but he won't have a relationship, and he's just so hardened, and all of this is just too much on me every day. Oh, I'm sorry, Pam. I'm sure that I'm sure that the stress of that doesn't help. Yeah. The Lyme's disease too. Yeah. So, well, let's pray for you, Heavenly Father. We pray for Pam. We just hear her heartache, and we hear uh, just this sorrow and sadness in her voice and what's going on with her and lord our hearts break for her and we know that your heart uh breaks for her as well but we thank you that you're a god who uh you're not detached from us emotionally lord that you're you're um bound up with us in our emotions lord you feel the things that we feel it's you say that you collect our tears in a bottle and you remember every single one of them and so Lord, I pray for Pam, and I pray that she would know your loving care in her life. I pray that she would sense it, that she would sense your presence with her. Lord, I thank you that you are uh, the one who will never leave her, never forsake her, the one who will never um, 
move on past her, Lord, that you love her that much and you've shown that love, you continue to show it every day. But I pray that, uh, as your word says, that you would pour out your love in her heart by your Holy Spirit. Lord, not just that, um, that she would know it intellectually, but Lord, that she would feel it. Lord, that she would uh, taste it, that she would really experience your love. And um, Lord, we know that you are the God of all comfort. Your word says that. And so we cling to that truth, Lord, that you are a comforting God. And Lord, I pray that she would know that comfort right now in her life. Lord, that you would be with her and uh, you would bring people around her who are able to comfort her and and to communicate your love to her in a way that she can feel and, and sense. And Lord, we pray for her Lyme disease. Lord, we do pray that you would heal her, that her body would be cleansed, Lord, of this toxin, Lord, that she would be well again. And Lord, we do pray that she would um, be healed in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we also uh, pray for her relationship with her husband. Lord, we ask for restoration. Where there's hardness, Lord, we pray that you would soften. Lord, where there is uh, whatever is at the root of this, Lord, we pray that you would root out that thing, that you would get underneath the surface and you would tap the root of this thing that it would really be um, resolved. And so, Lord, uh, we lift this up to you and we ask for uh, wisdom for Pam to know how to uh, speak to her husband. Lord, we pray that you do a supernatural work in his life, that he would um, turn his heart to you and to his wife. And Lord, we pray for Pam that she would be healed. And we agree this, all, the, all of us together as we, as we uh, pray together all over the country and the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Is this, is this on the radio today? Yes, you're live. Oh, um, what station? 89.7. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Like you just heard, this is a show where you can call in with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you. And if you have questions about the Bible, we would love to answer those questions and talk with you. Let's go to our next caller, Susan in Pennsylvania. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm very burdened today. I, my question is this. When you hear someone request prayer, what is what is the best way to take that before God in a thoughtful way so you're not praying for something that's going to work out kind of badly? <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. In other words, you know, if you want to pray for somebody, you know, what if you pray for something and what that person really needed was kind of the exact opposite of that thing? Is that kind of what you have in mind? I yeah. just want to be thoughtful in my prayers. I I was praying and this is this is just what happened to me today. I was praying the other day for a a boy who needs a, a heart mm-hmm. and he's been put on the list. And an hour later a friend of mine's son was killed mm. in an accident and it just 
made me very aware of being flippant about what I pray for. Okay. Well, um, we're coming up on our two-minute break. If you're willing to hold through the break, I could answer you more fully. But let me just begin by saying this. I think uh, the scripture that comes to mind for me, and I find the most encouraging and insightful in this discussion, is Romans chapter 8, where um, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And here's what he says in Romans eight twenty-six. He says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Specifically, though, he's talking about prayer. He says this, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, right? So that's the exact issue that we're talking about right now. But here's what he says. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So I'm going to continue this thought when we come back from our break, but we're going to go to our two-minute break right now. And uh, if you're willing to hold, Susan, that'd be great. If not, we'll continue the discussion um, either way. But the number to call is 303-690-3000. Give us a call here on Calvary Live. We'll be right back um, in two minutes' time after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can Call in with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you. You can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe there's something that's come up that you're confused about, or maybe you have questions as you're walking with Jesus and living this Christian life about how to practically do that. We'd love to discuss those things with you, hopefully answer your questions. We'd love to pray for you. Give us a call. We have one open line right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Now, just before the break, we were talking to Susan in Pennsylvania, so we'll bring her back on the line. And Susan, we were talking about how to know what to pray for, and you were saying you don't want to pray flippantly but thoughtfully, which I think is a very right. good uh, aspiration. But here's the thing that comes to my mind. When I read Romans chapter 8, which is a scripture we were just talking about a few minutes ago, um, what this tells me is a couple things. It, it gives me incredible hope and incredible confidence that, uh, first of all, the Spirit is helping me in my weakness. What is What are my weaknesses? Well, uh, let's say um, my weakness is that I, you know, like the disciples, I, I don't watch and pray, right? I get weary of praying too soon. Another one is that I pray for the wrong things, right? Because I just don't know what God knows. And that's what one of the things he says. He says, this, we have the Holy Spirit, our helper, and he searches the mind of God and knows what are the right things to pray. And what this means, right? It says the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, when we don't know how to pray, the good news is that the Holy Spirit um, intercedes on our behalf. Right? And so what that means is this, not just like when I don't uh, have words, I don't know the right words to pray, but it also means this, that the Spirit knows the things that are necessary. And here's what that encourages me in. It means that 
I don't believe that I can really muck this up, right? I don't believe that I'm going to really be able to uh, ruin things or fail to, that God's will won't be done um, because I prayed for A when I should have prayed for B. I think that what this encourages me to do is to know that I can pray. And let's say I pray for, uh, let's say I pray for someone to get a job but God doesn't want them to get that job, I can have confidence that God is going to, in a word you could say, take my prayers and translate them by the Spirit into the right things. I, I believe that prayer is so much about relationship with God. Now, that there, we must keep in mind that, that um, God tells us that our prayers, that he answers those prayers, that um, we ask for things, and sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. And so clearly there is a, an important part in asking for the right things and praying for the right things. But I would say that I believe that praying and praying by the Spirit with this humble heart is really important. And one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes people are so afraid of maybe praying the wrong way that they pray so generally that they're not um, really asking for anything in the end, right? So let's say well, we're praying for somebody who's sick. And we might say, hey, you know, um, Heavenly Father, please heal this person who is sick. But then we say, we give him a bunch of caveats, right? Like as if we're writing some sort of legal document that we need to give all these caveats. Of course, he knows these caveats, right? So we could say, oh, God, please heal this person. But if you don't want to, that's okay. And, you know, if you choose to do something else, that's okay too. Well, trust me, I think that God knows that, that those things are okay for him to do. And, uh, and, I really believe that when we pray, we should have the boldness to ask for things. But then that idea of praying in Jesus' name, that means that we're praying according to his will and desires. And so we're already, you know, opening our hands and saying, God, this is what I'm asking for, but not my will, but your will be done in this. So if what I'm praying for is not what you want and you want something else, then so be it, because my goal is not to accomplish my agenda. My goal is to accomplish your agenda. But I say that just to say this. I think that we should ask for concrete things. And I think that we should ask boldly. And I don't think that we need to give, um, you know, a bunch of caveats when we pray. I think that we can just straight ask. And by God's grace and the, the Spirit, uh, He is going to interpret those things and He will do what's right. Great. Okay. It makes me feel better. I'm glad. Is there anything we can pray for before I let you go? Um, yes, I, I would love prayer for my friends who have lost their voice. Yeah, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Susan, and just this is so tragic and sad that, um, that this child has lost their life. Lord, we, uh, we trust and hope that this child is with you and, and rejoicing. But, Lord, those who stay behind, the parents, the family members, Lord, they're suffering right now. And we ask that you'd be with them. We ask that you'd comfort hurting hearts. And, Lord, I, this verse comes to mind at a time like this when you say, I just don't even know how to pray for uh, something this tragic. I don't know the right words. I feel like I'm at a loss for words. Thank you, Lord, that we have your spirit. You've given us the spirit to help us in our weakness. And Lord, thank you that you know our weaknesses and you intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. And so, Lord, we pray for this family. Our hearts go out to them. We pray that you would be with them 
and comfort them and walk th with them through this time. Uh, and Lord, we pray for the friends that Lord that they would uh, bless their friends with with the with the knowledge of their their presence that they're actually there that they really care that they're praying. Um, but also give them give them wise words to say and give them wisdom for what not to say as well. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Susan. Thanks for calling in. Thank right, bye -bye. you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to uh, someone from Denver who wants to remain anonymous. Hello. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. What can I, I do for you? Well, it's kind of long. <laughs> and uh, what you just told that other lady was a pretty much confirmation for me that, you know, to ask. Because if we don't ask, we don't receive. And, like, not contradict my prayer. But I was in a total uh, head-on collision. And uh, my car was totaled, of course. So I'm searching for a car, and I need guidance on that. Haven't worked for over two weeks. Um, I have a fracture in my neck and muscle spasms throughout my body right now. Uh, the guy who hit me, he didn't have insurance. He actually tried to run from the wreck, but I want to pray for him also. Um, I just need the Lord's guidance on this, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing, if it's okay to get a newer vehicle, you know, I just, I just need help in that prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And so I would just encourage you with that same scripture, um, you know, Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 26, the spirit helps us in our weakness. You know, I've known people who um, have a good friend here at our church in Longmont, and she was in a head on collision a couple of years ago already. And, you know, this uh, had a traumatic brain injury. And um, thankfully, her body has been okay, but it has been really hard for her having this brain injury. You know, the, the effects of that last a long time. And one of the effects is that it, she struggles to focus. And so, yes. um, you know, I, this is a verse that comes to mind because she was she's on our prayer team. She still is, you know, and it's like, wow, that's uh, this is such an important verse that the spirit helps us pray in our weakness when we don't know the right words, when we struggle, when we don't. Uh, know what to ask for. So let's pray for you. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Um, they sent my, I've had two attempts to get an MRI, but I can't do it because I'm severely claustrophobic. Mm. They gave me medication to relax me, which didn't work. They gave me two pills to try to relax me, which didn't work. But I have to get the MRI in order to be released, so hopefully I can go back to work. Okay. Well, let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, I pray for our dear sister here, and I, I uh, pray for her, Lord, for healing for her body, Lord, for um, recovery from this accident. Lord, I pray that you would truly work in her body, Lord, that she would be healed. And we pray that together in Jesus' name. We agree in that, Lord. We ask that you would do that according to your will. And Lord, we also ask that she would be able to um, to overcome her fear of claustrophobia, that she would be able to get into uh, the machine and, and get this MRI that she needs to get back to work. Uh, Lord, please give her the strength to do that. Give her the strength to walk through it. Help her to trust in you uh, as she does that, that you will give her the strength she needs in the moment. 
And so, Lord, we pray for her for healing. We pray for her job. We pray that you would provide for her, that she would be able to keep her job and that she would be able to get back to work soon. So we pray for her, and uh, we ask that as she is seeking you, Lord, that she would know how to pray, Lord, that your spirit would uh, intercede for her and through her, um, that she would, uh, th Lord, you would help her pray in her weakness. And so, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for calling in. Are you listening to Calvary Live? This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Enid in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, welcome to the program. Hi, this, um, I want prayer for my son. He is 32 years old, and he's looking for a wife, and it seems like he's just looking for himself instead of allowing God to bring her into his life. Mm. I know there's somebody out there that's going to be perfect for him, but he's just very stressed over this. Mm. And... Um, my heart just goes out to him, but I keep telling him, you need to wait, wait on the Lord. And he's like, when is it going to happen, Mom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think 32 is not uh, not too old. He's not very old. I don't think, you know, I don't think he needs to panic yet at this point. So, yeah, absolutely, let's pray for him. But I, I think that you're absolutely right um, for him to... Uh, you know, go out and just find somebody, not the right person, is, is definitely not the right move. You know, one one of the uh one of the sermons that I, I remember hearing a friend of mine preach, he was preaching on uh Genesis chapter uh one and two, right, and talking about how uh God looked at Adam and said, It's not good that he is alone, therefore I'll make a helper suitable for him. And that idea of the helper who is suitable for him, the right match, the one that he needs, the one who is the perfect match for him. And that's not to get into a discussion of is there one person for every person, but this idea of somebody suitable for you. And uh, this person was saying, you know, you can imagine Adam there and he's been given this job to name all the animals. And so he's looking at Mr. and Mrs. Orangutan, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, chimpanzee. And he's getting jealous because, you know, he's like, where's... Where's my match? Why am I alone? And I'm not enjoying this. Everybody else has got a match except for me. You know, if if Adam hadn't waited on the Lord, you know, what if he compromised? And he's like, uh, well, you know, gorilla, baboon, pretty close, right? Close enough. And then he compromises instead of waiting for God to uh, bring him the helper suitable for him. Well, that could have been disastrous. And so we want uh, your son to not settle for a baboon or a gorilla. We want him to wait for the person who God has uh, suitable for him and to um, wait on the Lord. So let's pray for that and uh, for wisdom and for God to provide. And just a quick reminder, I love the producer sending me a note right now. It's just saying, hey, Isaac was 40 years old when he uh, met his wife and got married. So 40 years old, 32, he's still, um, you know, he's, He's uh, not in the 
mode where he needs to panic by any means. But let's uh, let's pray for your son. Heavenly Father, we pray for Enid's son, and we just ask that in the right time, in the right way, that you'd bring him the right person. And Lord, help him that in his singleness that he would be content. Lord, you say in your word that you can be single and completely full and fulfilled as a person. We see that in the Lord Jesus himself, who was a single man and completely full and fulfilled. He lived a full, true life as a fully human person. And we see that with the Apostle Paul, who said, you know what, there are a lot of benefits to being single when it comes to living as a person who walks with God and is on mission with God. And Lord, I pray that Enid's son would would take hold of that, that he would take hold of the blessings of his singleness as he waits upon you. And so, Lord, we ask that you give him patience. We ask that this would be a time when he draws near to you and uses all of these great opportunities he has as a single person to seek you and to draw near to you. And uh, Lord, we pray that in the right time, the right way, bring him the right person and give him the patience to wait for it and help Enid to have wisdom with how to encourage her son. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Chris in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Chris. Yeah, hi. Welcome to the program. Hi, Mr. Katie. How are you? Doing great. Good. So mine's just more a question about, like, I guess, disobedience in the Bible or, or I guess, testing the Lord and kind of your mm-hmm. thoughts when he actually answers prayers through that. And what I mean is I've been reading uh, Judges lately about uh, Gideon uh, wanting to fight there, or being called to fight the Midianites, you know, through God's will, and he tests him with, you know, the fleece is kind of what I was reading yesterday in regards mm-hmm. to do on the fleece and not on the ground and vice versa the next morning. You know, if that's his will. Um, and then also think about, like, you know, through uh, David, you know, basically committing adultery with Bathsheba, but through that, I mean, Solomon ended up being, you know, the, the wisest king out there. Yeah. And I just think to the Gospels of, you know, one of the things that do not test the Lord, uh, when, when Jesus is being tested in the wilderness, do not put the Lord your God to the test, other than really finances, all, all I can tell. Um, it's the only area we're really called to do. So I guess my question is, I just as I read the Bible year after year, I just see a lot of disobedience and sin. But through that, the Lord actually answers and comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just wondering more your take on that, or sometimes I just scratch my head wondering, you know, when people are putting the Lord to the test or being disobedient through affairs or adulteries, He's actually coming through and, and being glorified through that. just kind of curious your take on that. Yeah, so uh, let's start with Gideon, and then we'll talk about the second part. Um, yeah, sorry, I threw a lot of you. No, no, this is great. So Gideon, uh, I love this story, um, but I think that it can be taken the wrong way, right? So this is what one of the things I love about um, narratives in the Bible, is that they don't always tell you how they should be understood. And I love that because that means that you got to do some thinking and some seeking and digging, and you have to consider other parts of the Bible as you do that. And so... You know, we'll read a story like Gideon or, you know, many of the stories in um, the life of David or really any of the narrative portions of the Old Testament particularly. And we wonder, okay, well, was that a good thing or was that a bad thing 
that they did? Like, was it good to put out the fleece and ask God, you know, to make the fleece wet and the ground dry and then the next day the other way around? Or was that wrong? Here's my take on it. I think that what he's doing can just be summarized as this. He's asking for a sign. Now, on the one hand, he wants to know that what he's doing, that he's truly heard from God. I think that is a noble desire. And we should all want to be sure that we have heard from God, especially, you know, if you're going to lean in and do something really significant, you know, like if you've ever uh, prayed about a really big decision in your life, I'm sure that you've, you know, wrestled with, okay, God, please show me. And how can I know uh, that you are showing me the right way? And, uh, and that this isn't just, you know, my own idea that I came up with, that this really is from you. So I think that's a noble desire. And, and we could say this, Whereas the first time God kind of acquiesces and gives him the, uh, the answer to his question, gives him a sign, um, I think that the fact that Gideon then asks again shows us that Gideon's actually really struggling with unbelief, right? Because, okay, now if we could say that maybe it was okay to ask the first time, be like, okay, God, give me a sign, then he's like, okay, well, how do I know that this sign wasn't just a fluke, right? So he's, um, I, in my opinion, this is clearly getting into the area of like Gideon is, is not trusting the Lord. He's not ready to do yet what God tells him to do. He's kind of dragging his feet and these kinds of things. All that to say, uh, whether that's the case or not, no matter what we have to say, God was extremely patient and gracious with Gideon. I think that's the big takeaway from this, that God is extremely patient and gracious with Gideon. I don't think this is a model for us to follow, you know, asking God to give us a sign whenever we want to know if something's his will or not, because a lot of times he's not going to give us a sign. And, uh, and we need to walk by faith, not by sight. And part of that means, hey, when God doesn't give you a sign, are, are you not going to act until you get one? No, we have the Word of God. We have the character of God. We have a, a myriad of ways that the Holy Spirit works through other people, through the gifts of the Spirit, to lead us and guide us. And so um, I, I think, though, the fact here is the big takeaway is that God is incredibly gracious and patient, even when people do things that are, you know, silly or even uh, bordering on unbelief. The second part of your question there was regarding uh, people in the Bible who did things that are clearly bad and yet really good things come out of them. And, you know, of course, you use the example of David and Bathsheba, and it's actually through David's relationship with Bathsheba that Solomon comes. And then through that, through Solomon, will the, the line that leads to Jesus come. And so you could argue, you know, well, if God knew, or if God planned, you know, he knew that uh, it would be through Solomon that the whole thing would come, and yet this relationship started in a adulterous way, well, then maybe that was God's will in the end, because look at the good that has come out of it. And I think we would, we would never say that at all. We would just say this. Uh, the really clear, clear lesson here is that our God is a redeeming God. He brings beauty from ashes. And actually, if you follow the uh, family line of Jesus, which is one of my favorite things to do, I actually really like the genealogies in the Bible because what those genealogies tell you, each of those stories is a story of grace. And some of those stories are so almost scandalous, right? Like 
if you look at there are five women in the book of Matthew chapter 1 who are listed in Jesus' genealogy. Now, first of all, it's weird that women are listed at all. That's uncommon. And if you're going to list women, why these women? Because these women all had bad reputations. And so you're going out of your way to list the women who had bad reputations from whom Jesus descended, right? You have Ruth. Now, she's a, um, she's a Gentile, right? Just straight up Moabitess. And you have um, Tamar, right? So Tamar, that's a whole crazy story unto itself. It's found in Genesis uh, 38. And the whole story there is that like Tamar um, gets cheated by her uh, brother-in-laws and they uh, mistreat her. And even her father-in-law mistreats her. So she ends up tricking her father-in-law into sleeping with her. And then she gets pregnant and then has these babies. And guess what? Through those babies comes Jesus. And you're like, what? That is like the worst story I've ever heard. And yet out of that comes the Redeemer. And that is precisely the point. Right? You see, Rahab, a woman who was a, uh, a prostitute. And, and yet from her line, comes, not only is she a prostitute, she was also a Gentile. And, and so from Rahab, right, it calls her in the New Testament. It refers to her as Rahab the harlot. Like, why mention that she's also a harlot? Like, why point that out? Why? Well, because this is the whole point, that our God is a redeeming God. He takes even bad things and he can bring beauty from ashes. And that is his glory. Now, that doesn't mean that we should do bad things in order to bring God glory, right? Paul brings up this exact point in Romans chapter 6. Like, should we sin so that grace may abound? By no means. And, uh, but here's the good news. Now, we shouldn't sin. That, uh, in my opinion, that's testing the Lord, where you're like, hey, well, God can bring good out of bad. Therefore, I'll go do some bad and see if he can bring some good out of it, right? That would be, in my opinion, tempting or testing the Lord, uh, which is forbidden. Right. So but here's the good news in the areas where we have messed up. Uh, God has grace for those things and he is a redeeming God. Read verses like, I, uh, you know, you got to love Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where Joseph gets sold by his brothers into slavery. He ends up imprisoned because Potiphar's wife lies about him. So he's in jail for something that he didn't actually do. And then uh, but through that, God not only saves um an entire nation, the nation of Egypt, but through Joseph being in that position, God actually ends up saving his brothers. And one of his brothers is Judah. And through Judah comes Jesus. And so you could say, well, if Judah hadn't sold Joseph into slavery, then Jesus would have never been born. Well, true. But again, remember that God in his providence has orchestrated it this way so that he can bring himself glory, these trophies of his grace and his providence and his justice and mercy. So uh, I hope that answers your question. No, no, that completely does. And yeah, it's, it's very helpful. I just like, you know, I said, reading through the Bible, I mean, we think of you know, Abraham and, and Sarah, and I mean, just complete with, with Hagar, you know, just complete. So totally. With yeah. Ishmael, and then, you know, I, think, you know, I mean, the story goes on, and I, I think every Bible, that's really just the definition of God's glory. So, yeah, I was just curious. I was just reading and scratching my head thinking, you know, well, through testing, so yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what, when you read those stories, here's what it should do. It should cause you to be like, 
amazed with God, that he's a God who does those kinds of things, that he's a God who chooses those who nobody else would choose, and he's a God who brings beauty out of even the worst situations and redeems them. So give him all the praise as you're reading, brother. That's my advice. Appreciate it. All right. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got two minutes left in the show. Let's answer one text question that came in. It says this, Was it a tradition for the Pharisees to have wives? And if so, do you believe that Paul was once married? Uh, to both questions, I would answer yes. Um, now, not all Pharisees were married. Let's be clear on that. But to be a Jewish man in good standing, you had to be married. But more importantly, to be part of the Sanhedrin, which was the religious council of the Jews, uh, which is made up, by the way, of both Pharisees and Sadducees. But to be part of the Sanhedrin, the council, um, which was made up of 70 people, you had to be married. That was one of the requirements because that was considered, it was considered suspicious for an adult male Jew to not be married, uh, especially the Pharisees thought this way. And so it is almost certain that Paul the Apostle would have been um, would have been married. And what that means is that quite likely what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is that his wife abandoned him probably when he became a Christian. And so it's a, it's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, and Paul, when he talks about singleness, he's not just saying like, hey, it's awesome being single. Um, but he's saying, my wife left me and I'm not pursuing getting remarried because I want to live my life wholeheartedly dedicated, sold out for the Lord. Now, of course, that's not for everybody. He even says, you know, if you if you burn with passion, then you should get married. Um, but uh, he does elevate the status of singleness if one is pursuing the Lord in that singleness. So thanks for that question. God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com, and tune in every weekday for Calvary Live. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.